I'm Taylor Tarter, and this is Fastball Fantasy Baseball. Let's get into it. Hey everybody, it's been a while. I've been waiting to get some MLB news and I've got a lot of news to go over today. Before I do though, I just want to give a quick reminder. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you're using. That way you'll be notified when each new episode is published throughout the rest of the off-season since these episodes are going to be infrequent until the 2021 season approaches. Also, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating moves my podcast up the list on all the uh, podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So it's something that really helps me out. If you enjoy the show, please let me know. I'm also on Instagram at Fastball Fantasy Baseball, and I'm on Twitter too at Fastball Pod. So I'll be posting on uh, my various social media platforms as much as I can. Uh, with as much info uh, as I can provide. So make sure to follow me on social media. I'm posting on Twitter pretty regularly with up-to-the-minute analysis on all these big off-season moves. So uh, again, Fastball Fantasy Baseball on Instagram and Fastball Pod on Twitter. All right, let's get into it. So I'm going to go over a few things in today's episode. I'm going to cover the major trades that have happened so far, some of the major signings, some free agents to watch, as well as rumors about where they might be going, and some other big news so far this season. And of course, I'm going to be providing the fantasy baseball impact of the moves, the rumors, and the news. And as always, I'm I'm going to be focusing more on the non-traditional stats, the sabermetrics, the the stat cast uh, elements of these players. So let's start with some of the trades that have been made this offseason. So the first one uh, I'm going to go over is the Rizal Iglesias deal to the Angels. Uh, I think this increases his value slightly. He had a really excellent 2020 despite being used a lot in the eighth inning and in non-traditional save roles so coming in in the eighth staying in in the ninth and the fact that he carried a 274 era last year uh, having a fip of 184 and a sierra of 263 all in great american ballpark that's impressive Uh, he's going to nearly an identical ballpark in terms of being hitter friendly Um, so that doesn't play into the evaluation too much for me the Reds were um, an impressive defensive team last year, which helped with his ERA. But the fact that his FIP was lower than his ERA shows me he didn't even need his defense to be so good. He just pitched really well. Remember, FIP is fielding independent pitching. So this is all uh, pitcher, you know, FIP is all pitcher. Uh, what's the pitcher doing and independent of the fielders around him? His walks were down, his home runs were down, and his strikeouts were up. That's all him. Uh, And I expect he'll be the closer in L.A. I expect that he'll continue to do well. And so for me, his value is about the same, maybe even a little bit more than uh, this past season. Another important trade this offseason 
was Corey Kniebel going to the Dodgers. He had a really awful 2020, but it was his first really bad year in his career. The Dodgers have been great at pitching, at, at using their pitchers, and I think the coaching staff is going to find the niche for him there. I think Jansen has limited time left as a closer, and you know he, he has had some injury uh, limitations the last year or so. I think Knievel could get some value, uh, some valuable innings next season. I don't think he'll be the closer right away, um, but I do think he could be a valuable stash. Um, I think he could see saves next year, which I'm not sure that that's a widely um, accepted idea, but I think he has had saves in his career, and I think he could be uh, an option for them if Jansen misses any time or has any hiccups. Um, if you're in a holds league or holds plus saves league, Kniebel could be a really good target for you. And in, in a trade that just happened pretty pretty recently, Lance Lynn is going to the White Sox, who are building themselves quite a team. On the other end, the Rangers are acquiring Dane Dunning, who had a nice debut season in 2020. So does this do anything for Lynn? Defensively, the White Sox and Rangers were similar last season, and they weren't far apart in, far, <laughs> in park factors either. Um, with Tony La Russa as the manager there, it's, I'm going to be curious to see his effect on the pitching staff. He's notoriously anti-analytics, which uh, is something a lot of pitchers rely on for scouting and a lot of managers rely on for making decisions with pitching, um, like when they pull a pitcher. But LaRusso was also innovative in, in managing pitchers. Uh, he was one of the first people to have a full-time closer. He was very creative in managing the Cardinals rotation uh, as their manager there. So basically, I don't think the move pushes Lance Lynn too much in either direction being uh, worse or better for him. Uh, we'll see more so in his first couple starts there how he's being used. Uh, so I don't think it impacts him too much. I, I would say however you valued him going into last year, that shouldn't change too much going into this coming year. As far as Dane Dunning, He's going to begin the year probably as the Rangers' second or third starter. In 2020, he averaged just over nine strikeouts per inning. He, should, he showed good strikeout potential in the minors, which I like. And as a, a starter in 2021, he's going to need to get his walks down. But he's only pitched 34 innings in, in the major leagues, so it's a little hard to judge. But he's promising. And my expectation is he's going to be drafted in most leagues, and he should be. Uh, teams have also been starting to sign players. Uh, now, we haven't had a huge mega deal, and I honestly don't think we're going to have one for two reasons. Uh, one reason is there isn't a huge mega deal player out there in free agency this year. Um, I think maybe the 
biggest deal we might see is Marcelo Zuna. Um, but the other big reason is of the financial climate that COVID has caused. Uh, a lot of teams are cutting down on budget. Um, there have been a few deals uh, made so far. So let's take a look at a few. In one of the early deals this offseason, the Mets signed reliever Trevor May. He's had a nice career for the Twins. He's a high strikeout pitcher. He has a good ERA, uh, had a good ERA the last couple of years. I think he comes in as the main setup guy, but man, Edwin Diaz has been so up and down. I drafted him last year. He had a terrible start, let him go, came back as the closer, had a great end to 2020, um, his 2020 season. So for me, I think Trevor May is all but guaranteed to get saves next year. It's just a matter of how many. He's another guy who I see like Knievel as a guy that starts as the, the main setup man, but is likely to see saves. I think May gets more saves than Knievel. Um, so if you're looking for like a, uh, like if you punt, if you're somebody who punts saves um, each year, May could be somebody you look to down the road. So I, I wouldn't say he's draftable, but he's definitely somebody that you should watch. I also, uh, I like the Mike Miner signing by the Royals. I think the move there does a lot of good for him. He's going to a traditionally strong defense, which I think is going to help him uh, greatly. Uh, the The park factor is similar to what he experienced in Texas, so I don't think that that's going to play a huge part. Um, I don't think you'll see a huge spike or dip in the runs he's allowing. He had a rough 2020, but all of his metrics suggested he should have had a better year. He was unlucky in his home run to fly ball rate. Um, you know, that's something that we compare to the league average. His was around 15%. The league average was closer to 11%. So he had more fly balls turned into home runs than most people. Um, and that's just kind of like a product of, of luck and sometimes the weather and sometimes, you know, all kinds of things. So um that's one of those things that's out of his control. Uh, he and, and it hurt his ERA. But his FIP, his ex-FIP and Sierra, all were lower than his ERA, which shows me that he was doing things well. And the things that were out of his control were what were uh, influencing his ERA and causing it to be higher. If you look at his strikeout percentage, for example, he struck out nearly a quarter of the batters he faced. Lance Lynn, Christian Javier, Framber Valdez, Frankie Montas. Those are all great names. Those are all uh, players who had similar strikeout percentage. That's good company for, for Miner. And so I kind of value him in that sort of grouping. Um, I think tw in 2021, I think Miner improved slightly. I think you should look at him as a solid starting option that's going to get you strikeouts um, and is going to pitch well. One signing that I love as a fantasy baseball manager but hate as a Nats fan is uh, Charlie Morton going to Atlanta. 
Man, I love what the Braves are doing with their young pitchers there. They have such good young arms. And I think Charlie Morton takes on the role of the Cole Hamels, um, you know, kind of veteran mentor there. But also the the Braves coaching staff has done so well with, with their pitchers, with their pitching staff. I think that kind of rubs off on him as well. Morton has been excellent the last few years, but had a down 2020. And, you know, how many times have I said that today? But his background metrics, like in many other cases, suggest he should have done better. You know, he, he did get unlucky. He had a 355 BABIP. His career BABIP is a 311. So he, he was getting unlucky, batters hitting balls through the gaps, um, a bad play on defense, errors, you know, that those are unlucky things that factor in. Um, but he didn't walk very many people. He didn't let a lot of home runs leave the park. Uh, he did a lot of good things, which again, reflect in a 345 FIP, a 397 Sierra against a 474 ERA. He should have done much better uh, I like him going into 2021. I think he'll be extremely valuable. Um, and the last and most recent signing as of this recording on Tuesday, December 8th, is Adam Eaton going to the White Sox, going back to the White Sox. Uh, this is a deal I like a lot uh, for him as like a, uh, as a, a fantasy asset. In most cases, I think park factors are going to influence pitching statistics more than hitting statistics. But that being said, this is kind of like a dramatic shift in um, park factors. So Nats Park is one of the more pitcher-friendly parks, the sixth friendliest to pitchers last year. And he's going to guaranteed rate field in Chicago, which is 12th friendliest to hitters. It's a more favorable park for a guy who is not known for home runs, but can hit a few. So I think his home runs go up slightly in Chicago. Uh, I think he is going to be batting early in a really good offense. So he should be very productive as long as he stays healthy, which he's had trouble with. Um, To me, his value goes way up next year. But the thing is, is I doubt he drafted like it will. So I think he is a really sneaky uh, sleeper option. Um, that will be productive in your outfield for next year. In a moment, I'm going to go over some of the big free agent names, as well as some rumors circulating about some of those players. For right now, I'm going to take a quick break for a word from my sponsor. I won't go through all the free agents out there, but there are a few that are important to take note of. There's a few that you should be paying attention to where they land. So catchers, uh, JT Realmuto, James McCann, Tyler Flowers, Yadi Molina. Those are all free agents, and all of them could be really valuable assets in fantasy. Uh, For Yadi and Flowers, I think their value is more dependent on where they end up versus... Real Muto McCann, who carry their value wherever they go. Um, I'm interested to see where first baseman Carlos Santana 
and Mitch Moreland end up. I could see either of them on the Nats, who are in need of a first baseman, but we'll see. Uh, Santana is more valuable in leagues that value OBP. Um, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, Mitch Moreland is likely going to platoon wherever he goes, but they both carry some solid value, um, more so Santana, but again, Moreland, depending on where he goes, he could be pretty valuable. Um, I also really like CJ Crone. He played for Detroit last season, but was uh, hampered by injuries. Uh, and But he's a good defensive first baseman. That's going to earn him starting time. He has good power. And I think he could be really solid at first base, depending on where he ends up. Especially if he ends up for playing for an American League team, he could DH. So uh, he definitely carries some good value at first base and, and is a sneaky kind of uh, a sleeper option for you. DJ LeMahieu is one of the bigger free agent names out there overall and definitely the biggest name at second base. He's also eligible at first and third in most leagues. He's a player that gets added value from pitchers parks with some bonus power uh, coming from that. So a lot of his value is going to be tied up in the park that he plays in and the lineup around him. Otherwise, he could just end up with like hollow batting average. I really like Tommy LaStella uh, as a second base option. He could be and should be a starter somewhere. If he platoons, his value obviously dips. So pay attention to where he lands. If he's the guy at second base, he's a solid option for you. Justin Turner is the main third base option. Um, third base in free agency is not very deep this year. Uh, he, so Justin Turner is on the older side and he's injury prone, which uh, go against him uh, and against his value. And his value is largely contingent, uh, in, in fantasy at least, is largely, largely contingent on his health, which has been an issue I'm not usually a fan of drafting him because of the health concerns. And I don't know that where he ends up this season is going to sway me very much in in drafting him or adding any value to him. Travis Shaw is another third baseman to watch this offseason. He's multiple position eligible. He has good power numbers. And in the right lineup, I think he could be quite good. As far as uh, short stops... The top two free agent options are Marcus Semyon and Didi Gregorius. Both are solid defenders. They both have good power potential. Um, they're going to start wherever they go. And so I, I wouldn't worry too much about where they sign. I'll definitely keep an eye out for where they go. If they're in like an extreme hitter-friendly park, that's one thing. But I think um, you know their value is going to be great no matter where they go. There's a ton of outfield free agents this year, so I'm going to really limit it to some top options. Uh, Brantley, Springer, and Ozuna are probably the most, uh, the three most valuable commodities there. All are going to start wherever they end up, and I really don't see their value being affected much uh, by at all by their new homes. Um, some other options to watch, Kevin Pillar, Jack Peterson, uh, those are more so platoon players. Um, 
Nomar Mazar is another one who I think their value will be dependent on where they end up. Pilarin Peterson did uh, well last year. Peter Peterson obliterated righties in 2018. Um, so teams with outfield needs have some options there. Eddie Rosario being non-tendered surprised me. He's uh, been really good in, in Minnesota the last few years. I think in the right place, his value stays high. Uh, the best starting pitching free agent name is Trevor Bauer. Um, there's a lot of speculation around him and where he'll end up. I think in a more hitter-friendly park, he could be good. I just don't really trust the ERA from 2020. A lot of pitchers I've mentioned today had better metrics than their ERA suggested, meaning that they should have done better than their ERA uh, suggested. But Bauer is the exact opposite. He was super lucky last year. He had a 215 BABIP. Low BABIP for pitchers means they're lucky. His career BABIP, 308. He did get his walks down, but he allowed a lot of fly balls. 50% almost. Almost 50% of hits against him were fly balls. That's bad. And only 34% of hits against him were ground balls. He got really lucky that more of those fly balls did not turn into home runs, especially in Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Uh, Most pitchers have, most good pitchers have those percentages flipped, uh, where it's 30% uh, fly balls and 50% ground balls. He had 50% fly balls and 30% ground ground balls. I think people are going to end up drafting him high next year, despite only having two seasons with an ERA better than 418. Sure, he strikes people out, but he is a risk for high ERA, Um, especially if he's in a place that's pitcher-friendly. I do not like him. Uh, Or sorry, hitter-friendly. If he's in a hitter-friendly environment, I do not like him. I'm not going to be drafting him next year because he's going to be he's going to go way too high in in leagues uh, than I'm willing to draft him. He will not pay off. Uh, as far as relievers, I'm curious to see where uh, Liam Hendricks, Kirby Yates, Brad Hand, Roberto Osuna, Ken Giles go. All of them, I would say, should maintain closer status wherever they go, but. Uh, closers are one of those uh, positions where it's kind of up in the up in the air all the time. Um, so I would watch where they land. Look at the bullpens there before you know um, making any decisions on on who you draft. Um, some relievers who I could see getting closing opportunities depending on where they sign. Keenan Middleton, uh, he's got a lot of upside. Hansel Robles. Uh, Brandon Workman, Archie Bradley, you know, some guys that have had closing experience before. So keep an eye on them. Again, see where they land. What's the bullpen like, where they're going? Are there other guys there that can close? As far as rumors of where these players might land and other scuttlebutt online, I'm reading that the Reds are shopping Sonny Gray. I really like Sonny Gray already. I don't, I don't understand why they're trying to trade him. Uh, he's on a really good contract. Uh, for them, a lot of his metrics point him point to him being an excellent pitcher. He strikes out a lot of batters. He limits home runs. 
He does not allow hard contact. He keeps hits on the ground 50% of the time, year after year, in a pitch. And he's doing this all in a hitter's park. If he gets traded to a pitcher, a pitcher's park, a pitcher-friendly park, or is on another team like the Reds that has a solid defense, I could see his value staying high or even getting uh, increasing. The Reds are also supposedly interested in Francisco Lindor. I think that would be incredible for Lindor's value going to that park. Um, he'd help out the value of all the pitchers immediately as well, uh, defensively. Uh, they're also looking at Gregorius, Simmons, and Semyon, all of whom would have solid value in Cincy uh, and be really good defensively for the pitchers as well. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays may be shopping Snell. I'm not a Snell believer, at least in terms of him being like elite. Uh, his range of outcomes is way too wide for me to be considered an elite pitcher. He could be really wild. He walks a lot of, of batters. He gives up home runs. He's only had one truly elite season in five years, and a lot of people base their assumption of him being so good on that one season. And if you look at that season, a lot of his background data suggests he was benefiting from luck and defense. So if he's traded somewhere, it could impact his prospect for next season. It's really going to depend on where he goes that determines his value. If he stays in Tampa, my guess is he's going to go early in drafts, but I'm I'm going to stay away from him unless he falls to me uh, as like my third pitcher maybe. Uh, another rumor out there, a couple quick hitters. Uh, the Mets are more focused on signing McCann the Real Muto and that the Nats are front runners for JT. So I like both of those landing spots for those guys. The Blue Jays are apparently pushing to get uh, George Springer. It's a great place for him. Solid lineup of young bats around him. He'll be productive if he if he ends up there. The Red Sox are interested in Eddie Rosario, which I think hurts his value. Traditionally, the Green Monster is bad for left-handed hitters, which would be bad for Rosario. And finally, the Phillies have interest in Liam Hendricks, but I don't see that happening, even though the Phillies desperately need bullpen help. They're obviously working on cutting salary, so I don't see them bringing the top closer option who's going to demand to be paid uh, into their team. So before going, uh, I want to remind you as you get ready for your leagues next year, make sure to get familiar with the league you're going to be participating in. Familiarize yourself with the rules of the league, the type of league it is. Start preparing now. Listen to podcasts like mine and read everything you can. I'll be back again at some point this offseason once we get some more news. Until then, make sure you subscribe uh, so that you're notified when I do publish a new episode. Uh, and follow me on Instagram at Fastball Fantasy Baseball, on Twitter at Fastball Pod, and feel free to email the show at fastballfantasybaseball at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.